This is the Enneagram 8 Podcast, and we're here to take you inside the armor. We are so excited to share something new we've been working on. We have now launched the Enneagram 8 community. This is a community where Enneagram 8s can come together to feel seen and heard for the heart of who they are, a place where you can just be you. If you're interested in joining us here, go to the Enneagram8community.com to sign up. Along with Thomas and me, love is our third tri-type 847. The three of us are so quirky in particular. I can just see us cramming into Thomas's little camper van and wandering across the countryside with love, crying over beautiful mushrooms, and us just accosting strangers to pull them into some kind of deep conversation that makes them really uncomfortable. We're all wanderers. We're all super distinct in our likes and our tastes. We're all really hungry for meaning and depth. We're not at all good at spending more time than is absolutely necessary on people, places, or things that have shallow bottoms or dead ends. As the title of this episode hints at, Love is a Proud Vegan. And while I don't fully get it, I will support it by linking to her Instagram account where she posts a lot of her favorite recipes. So if you are so inclined, you can head on over there. So I'm I'm living in Miami right now. I went back to Alaska and then I went to Hawaii and then I went to Los Angeles. Wow. Do you always travel like that? Yes. Did you (laughs) listen to the interview with Thomas at all? I did. Yeah, I've listened to all of them. Don't you find there seems to be a theme where we like to kind of wander around? (laughs) Yeah, I think it's the seven. It's the seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top favorite thing to do. So my name is Love and it sounds just like the feeling. And I was born in Colombia, in Bogota, which is the capital. And I have lived in the U.S. since I was 11. I recently, I recently turned 33 in January. My birth name is Laura, because a lot of people always get like curious about the name Love. But my, my birth name is, is Laura, but it sounds Laura. So my mom named me after a, a song in Portuguese. And in Spanish, Portuguese and, and Italian, Laura is Laura. So it's... It's a little bit more lyrical, but I, I find it too serious in English to be called Laura. So <laughs> I, I kind of gave myself the nickname Love. My very, very close friends call me Roja, which means red in Spanish because I'm a redhead. And uh, I think I always mention being a redhead because since it's an uncommon thing, especially in Colombia, it's even more uncommon. It kind of shapes you. It shapes your personality because people treat you differently. I'm also the only redhead in my nuclear family. Five sisters, four on my dad's side and one on my on my mom's side, and none of them are redheads. They're all brunettes. And so, <laughs> does the four in your tri-type love that? <laughs> yeah, and I think it, that kind of formed the four in my tri-type. Right, being singled out. So it's like they, you get this message of being different or being unique or, you know, so it's like you kind of internalize that as well. And then I guess externalize it. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I think it has to do with that, with being the odd one out physically in my family. So you want to hear something interesting is my nickname is Joe. And okay. there is a common saying in America, you're just your average Joe. Uh-huh. So you can I imagine how much I despise that. <laughs> Um, (laughs) and also the reality is, is I am pretty average. Like I have 
really no, boring <laughs> well okay <laughs> the gist is that I have like very boring natural hair color it's not brown or blonde I'm like average weight I'm always like above average and everything but only like slightly <laughs> and so I had to make up the difference in other ways <laughs> But how tall are you? I'm only 5'4", which I think is literally the average for women. Oh, I'm 5'5", five five, so it's basically the same. Yes. But, but yeah, it does. Yes. But it's like yeah. shoe size is average. Is it eight? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, me too. Me too. We can, we can share shoes. And... That's right. And normally that is my, uh, like my pant size. Everything is eight. I'm medium. Like it's all in the middle. <laughs> Do you feel like you're attracted to the number eight? I do love the number eight. Yes. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Even before the Enneagram, I loved the number eight. And then I when I realized I was an eight, I was like, fuck yeah, I love this. Yeah. The number eight is sexy. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like the roundness. And I know. Anyway, so unlike you, I didn't come out particularly different. <laughs> You do dye your hair red, right? Well, that's what I'm saying is I had to just go and find my own way to do it, right? I, but I thought you were I thought you were a natural redhead. My I family is, unlike my sister who has this naturally radiant strawberry blonde hair. It's the kind of color most people pay a lot of money to get. And my little brother has kind of red hair. I got this mousy, boring Sure it's so. not like I can't even <laughs> on the passport. I can't put blonde because it's not blonde. I can't put brown. It's like mousy. <laughs> well, see, you don't even have a category. You just made I one for yourself. That's so right. <laughs> that's right. My category is average Joe. I always say no, the slightly not... above average Joe. <laughs> but is that your whole name? Is your whole name Joe? No, it's it like Johanna. 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 And my name is not common. I don't have a common name. Nobody's called Johanna. Johanna. Um, there is that. <laughs> and my personality is certainly not normal. <laughs> not common. Anyway, I was wondering if you had any stories stored up that just really let you know you were an eight from the very moment you heard there was such a thing. What are stories that stand out to you? I cannot think of like particular stories, but definitely behave my behavior. So I, I am confrontational, like by nature, but it's always when it when I need to be, mm -hmm. which is very often in this society, you know. Yeah, these days. Um, yeah, so I will call out a man who's mansplaining. I will counter bully a bully. I, that's what I do. I, my boyfriend makes fun of it, but it's like I'm a counter bully because <laughs> people call you a bully sometimes, but they don't realize that you're counter bullying. You're like mm -hmm. defending someone else, and sometimes because. I, I do it so aggressively, it could seem like I'm bullying that person, but it's the opposite. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I do, very much, yes. Yeah, I, I call people out. Something that I, I do want to share about myself is I, uh, I am on the spectrum. So on the very high functional end of the spectrum, but because of that, I was diagnosed last year. And because of that, I don't read very well a lot of social cues. Mm. So I understood that that made so much sense. And that really helped me because I have some trouble communicating with a lot of people, but it's because I don't, I don't understand those social cues or the fact that my, my psychologist said that normal neurotypical people are a little fake. Yeah. There's like a, like, <laughs> like that kind of uh, behavior with each other. I'm like, I can't, I cannot do that. I cannot do that. It's like, I can say hi to someone if I don't like, I'm like, hi, how are you? But I'm not going to be there like, oh, yeah, yeah. what did you do last summer? Like things like that, you know, it's like, I, yeah. 
I would rather die, honestly. <laughs> so, so I think that together with the AIDS and uh, being on the spectrum, I am a little bit even more keen to honesty, which mm-hmm. is like a very, very eight thing. But I, I, I like honesty and I like when people tell me the truth. And it really hurts me when people don't. Yeah. When I realize someone likes me, it's like, it really hurts. Yeah, it feels so, so much like a betrayal. Yeah, it's a complete betrayal. And I was, I've been, since I've been listening to all the interviews, I hear how everyone has like a small circle. Right. And it's like, it's the same for me. It's like very small circle because it's very unnatural, I think, for this society to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. So, and then we need complete honesty. So only a, yes. a couple of people can do that or can handle that. Yeah, I would agree. If there are people around who I like, that I feel safe, I feel very light, definitely very light. I don't have to feel tense. But if there are people that I don't trust or that I know will kind of trigger me in some way, then I feel very tense and kind of heavy on my chest. But it it definitely depends on the situation. And I think my four comes out a lot where I feel nostalgic looking at things. But like as far as a physical sensation, it depends on on who's with me. But when I'm yeah. by myself, I'm very light. I feel very light. I dance a lot in the kitchen by myself all the time. Yeah. So I are think you... the seven comes out a lot. I think. Yeah. Would you say your seven me. comes before your four? It depends. It, before it was like that. Before it was one hundred percent like that. But then after the pandemic, mm, I think my four and definitely going into that five space have been more present. Definitely, like, in the beginning of my 20s, I'm 33 now, so beginning of my 20s, I think, it was all, the, like, the seven was kind of guiding everyone else. Um, right. I, I really like that that seven space. It's very, very light. How do other people perceive you? You said that you often take people back with your honesty. But on the whole, how would you say <laughs> the world responds to you? Well, I, I asked my, my partner and my closest friend, who's my sister, Deb, because, you know, I have an idea of myself, but they can tell me. So they told me that people perceive me as assertive, loyal, fair, brutally honest. <laughs> Emphasis on the brutally honest, like the brutally part. Stubborn, resourceful, uh, curious, adventurous. And my partners are very thoughtful. Like mm-hmm. he said, very thoughtful, not just thoughtful, but mm-hmm. just very thoughtful. And self-aware. Yeah, definitely self-aware. Four helps with that. Yeah, I, and it, sometimes it, it's a little bit, not exhausting, but I think what's exhausting is that other people aren't self-aware. Yes. <laughs> when you're being self-aware all the time and trying to better yourself and trying to understand yourself so that right. you can interact better with society and then other people are just, I don't know where they are. I kind of had to learn through someone putting it very starkly that other people aren't self-aware because they literally can't be. Like too painful for them or something? Uh, some of them repress it. Some of them just actually... They don't have the skills, you know, and no one's ever taught them. And so there was, yeah, I've spoken about this before. We just naturally have it from the four. That's what I mean. Like, I think the way our brains are wired, that part of the brain, whichever one's associated to four, it just has this like very introspective ability to sort through and name what's happening inside. And it's just a... A thing we were born with. That's honestly what I believe. And some people don't have that. And it means they're better at other things, but they just Mm -hmm. can't seem to be able to 
dig around inside their inner landscape very easily. They'd probably have be able to do it with some help, you know, mm-hmm. if they wanted to, but chances are very high. They would never even want that kind of help. Right. Oh, that is so foreign to me. I know. I get it. <laughs> Trust me. So I know. And so I've had to stop being impatient because they stare at me so blankly sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, we don't even think those thoughts. Like, what are you exactly. even talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's what my partner said, very thoughtful. Also, like, on the, you know, thinking about family and gifts and being special. But I think he, he also meant that. Like, and he never thinks about those things. I mean, he right. has a lot of great gifts, but being <laughs> self-aware is not one of them. We have the added benefit, our tri-type, of having Catherine Favre, who, like, is the one who coined tri-type. It's her tri-type. And so I have a ton of extra insight from her because she often talks about herself. So I'll read you the first thing, which is her way of explaining our tri-type. And then you can tell me if any of it resonates or if anything doesn't quite fit. So she said, we're intuitive, innovative, protective. We want to be original, creative, straightforward, We're always cutting edge trackers of both our internal and external worlds. We're unconventional, really passionate, and outwardly we're confident, but inwardly we are emotionally vulnerable. We use eight, but if eight isn't working for us, we might try to lighten up or be positive like a seven. And if that doesn't work, we may dig around for meaning with our four. The eight fear of being disempowered is driving the process. But if the eight feels like it's unable to direct their circumstances, they may feel overextended and scattered like a seven and painfully lacking with their four. And the cycle kind of bounces around over and over like that. Does that sound like something that happens inside you? Yes. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I was like smiling the whole time like, ah, are they describing me? How do they know? I think I like it. And I liked what you read because it's someone else understanding what you already understand. That's They're right. like, ah, yes, that's great. <laughs> that's right. And I think um, we struggle a lot with Enneagram teachers who aren't exactly our tri-type because they keep saying things that isn't a direct fit. And we yeah. are very, very concerned about that. Like that, that is a real problem. If they are making generalizations that aren't accurate. And because we're so good with putting words around what it's actually like to be us, I think it bugs us more than most tri-types. I think so too. (laughs) But even another eight who doesn't have four in their tri-type or seven will also kind of bend the definition a little to something Mm -hmm. that doesn't really fit us, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why it really helps to have Catherine who actually has all three of our our main numbers in her. She's really good at putting into words that. Do you like... No, you you probably don't. Do you hate (laughs) as much as I do the way four makes you feel like really lacking sometimes? I hate Uh, it. (laughs) I I will share a thing vulnerably that I feel where I'm lacking that makes me angry because I I know I'm not. Right. But sometimes intellectually. So I did. I'm working on my graduates at a very intellectually praised university. And sometimes I feel like do I have the th- what it takes to be here? You know what I mean? Yes. So, but I know I do. It's just almost like an imposter syndrome kind of thing with intelligence. Yes. <laughs> Only because I, I do have a thing with fives that I kind of want to retain more information in my brain. Yes. And my intelligence is more intuitive, you know, like 
like how you were reading. It's very intuitive. That's my top intelligence. So sometimes I do feel like I'm not, that sounds bad, but I know you understand what I mean. It's like that I'm not smart enough to be in, in certain places. I'm feeling that so deeply. <laughs> Everything yeah. you say, I'm resonating with, as I expected <laughs> I would. Yeah, that's precisely right. And that's why Aaron and I, when we've interviewed uh, the eights with the five in their tri-type, that's how I feel it. I feel it as a longing for more of that. And so I've got to settle back into the gratitude for what I have with the four. Yeah. But yeah, and, and then where the three comes in is they have a crazy ability to fit in everywhere. They just fit in as easily as can be into any group with any people. And then my four is like, oh, man, I don't feel that way. I, I'm a loner. Like, I, I feel like I'm on the outside. <laughs> okay, but, but I kind of like that. I like not fitting in with everyone. And do, do you find that your seven allows you to make friends with everyone on the surface, but then to kind of have like a, a meaningful Absolutely. friendship? Absolutely. No, then it doesn't go past the Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Like, I always yeah. say, I make a really good first impression. I can yeah. tell I do. And then I, there's this, I've lived 40 years on this earth. And so I, this part of my brain goes only like one out of 10 is going to stick around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there is that. <laughs> I'm very winsome to begin with. <laughs> there are two things that we get like first place in with our tri-type. <laughs> so <laughs> we are the most obsessed with freedom. It is called the messenger archetype. And we feel like we have a message to impart and we want the freedom to explore ourselves and our external worlds. So with the eight in charge, we get a more playful seven-ish eight. It's also the least political of the tri-types. Do you feel, I've always said I'm apolitical. Like I don't care. Oh, I, I care. You do. Yes, okay. I care a lot. Yeah, I care a lot. The freedom thing. Yeah, definitely. I haven't gotten married for a reason. Which is that uh -huh. I don't I don't like term in Spanish the term means that you're kind of what's the word? You know when they put you in handcuffs? Yes. <laughs> in Spanish mm -hmm. the term is like handcuffed for marriage. <laughs> <Okay>. So <laughs> I don't like the term. I I, I know that I, I I will still be free, but there's something about that that I I like to be in unison without being <laughs> tied together. Mm -hmm. And we've been together seventeen years, so it's it's a pretty committed you know but anyway the messenger yes absolutely I think that everything I learn that I kind of want to share it with people so that they grow as well no but I'm definitely political you know I march so I'm that eight I volunteer I'm very outspoken in family gatherings about my points of view my political points of view do you know what I wonder so. if she meant is we're the least diplomatic I wonder if she used the wrong word is we're mm -hmm. very not diplomatic I think that's what it is, because that definitely I am not very yes. like zero. Like zero. Unless I really, really, really have to be, then I'll be just quiet. Right. Which is, you know, not being yourself, just being quiet. But yeah, I'm not diplomatic. And I have a sister that's very diplomatic and it's like, I want to strangle you every five minutes. Because <laughs> uh, my boyfriend says, I call, I, so that's more like of a nine thing, right? Yes. So... I call them lukewarm, lukewarm people. <laughs> and you want fiery <laughs> hot. You want red hot. Exactly. Exactly. Or like below zero cold. Like give right. me something that makes you feel something. Mm -hmm. Not just lukewarm. Lukewater is the word. I prefer to not shower than to have to shower with lukewarm water. It's like, <laughs> it doesn't feel like anything on your skin. 
Okay, we also win for being the most creative. Yay! And the most non-conforming. That applies. That applies. Totally. My dad, I believe my dad is an, is an eight. I haven't figured him out yet, but my dad is an artist. And my mom, she also is like, like an artisan. So I think that also has a lot to do with being creative and, and the four aspect of it. There was always art in my family. I was always in art classes since I was little. And, you know, our family activities with my dad were always painting or watercoloring or something that had to do with making art, um, like visual yeah. art. So, so I think that also influences the creative, resourceful aspect. Yeah, I don't have anybody artistic in my family, but it still showed up for me. That's what's interesting. It wasn't nurture that did that for me. Okay. I just came out this way. So it seems to be true no matter what, because I did not have creative parents. It spills out of me always. Everything I put my hands on is an extension of me. And yeah. I don't like things that don't feel like me. So I don't like walking into a house that doesn't fit my skin, you know? I don't like yeah. it. Are you, are you sexual first with your stacking? I think so. Yeah, because that compounds everything about our tri-type. I know that I'm not social first. I will tell you that. Me so too. Dead that's last what I for me. I, yeah, I dance between self-prize and sexual. I think maybe they're like right at the same level. Are you as hungry for that energy that uh, I've described before where you just need that intense energy and you're just, yeah, just you scan a room and you know when somebody has, you did mention that, you're like, you don't want lukewarm. So you are looking for interesting energy. Yeah, I like interesting people and I like interesting places. Nothing against Paris, but you know, I don't like places that are like super popular for whatever reason. Yep. I want something that's like more rare and unique and and as of late, I do find that I like more of a, this is contradictory, but like a quiet, intense energy. <laughs> Not a lot of that rush adrenaline as much, because that can also get overwhelming, especially mm -hmm. after, the, after the pandemic. Um, yeah, we're not practiced which, anymore at it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I also, I was in Alaska. I spent the pandemic, the beginning of the pandemic in Alaska and I had a thing that's called like a cold invasion in my body. I felt like I was going to die. It was that feeling of I'm going to die. Coming out of that has been like a, a process. I had never felt that way, but I would wake up and be unable to move. More like lethargic, like there's a truck on top of me and I couldn't move and I couldn't, it, it was horrible, like a horrible, horrible sensation. It's very hard for me to find a doctor that I trust, that I, that I feel that is capable of understanding what I'm talking about. Yes. And I fi finally found her. Of, she views things through many different lenses and she was able to, to tell me what it was. And the solution was simple, was just putting heat on, the, on my lower back. And then that's it. The next day I was fine. But the three days that I felt it were so horrible that after that I need less intensity more like of a deeper intensity than a adrenaline intensity and the worst thing i think in the world for us is to feel trapped or stuck oh, so you can't yeah. even imagine my partner was really worried because i cried and it's not that i don't cry since then I've, i cried so much more about pain i don't cry so i was crying a lot and he's like he was so worried he's a nurse so mm -hmm. he was also like felt so frustrated yeah yeah all of these to answer that the energy the intense energy that i like now it's more like nature related so i get very intense emotions from looking at nature 
I'm a mycophile. I love wild mushroom hunting. And I cry, like actual tears when I find mushrooms or where I'm in like a very magical, like in Hawaii, I cried like five times because to anyone who hasn't gone to Hawaii, I know it's one of those places that it's like so overrated, but there's a reason. It's like beyond, it's beyond. Yeah. I cried. I cried a lot of times there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's flowers. just too beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's just too freaking beautiful. Too yeah. intense. I and like people... those kinds of tears. I am happy to cry those tears anytime. <laughs> but still people look at you like, oh my goodness, you're crying. <laughs> oh, you're crying over this flower. It's like, yeah, this flower has been here before dinosaurs. Do you understand this? I'm going to read you four really cool things that Catherine Favre said. She did a panel on our tri-type. Mm-hmm. And these are the things that really resonated with me anyway. She said, you cannot be a rigid person and be this tri-type. It's always about being in free flow, uninhibited, and left to our own meaning and methods. The warning is that if we expend all our energy resisting conformity rather than moving forward into new things, we're stuck in our own way. We're super adaptable and very quick with our yeses and our noes, but also quick to incorporate new information and insight as they come up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know if it happens to you as well, but when there are certain people or certain situations that, that do make you feel rigid, it's so exhausting. Like for me, it's now so exhausting. So I try to avoid those situations. Like I don't want to feel rigid. <laughs> so stay away from me certain people, groups of people, they're like expecting something from me that I know I won't give. And so it puts me into that rigid kind of posture. I'm just like, I will not yield. I will not yield, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I become very soldier like. And who wants that? Who wants that? I don't want that. I want to be somewhere where there's room for me, you know, so it is, it's exhausting. Yeah, but I, I feel a lot of times people think that we like that. We like being that. I don't know if you get this phrase often, but it's like people say, you like to fight or you like to pick fights. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I hate mm-hmm. fighting, but I am not scared to be confrontational if I have to be. Like justice mm-hmm. is more important than this peace, that this fake peace. Yeah. So the reason why I related to not being political is I think of politics as like pushing forward, trying to gain new territory or whatever. But I relate far more with holding my boundaries. So what I mean by that is like, I create a space of creativity and life and energy in my home with my family. I I want them to flourish. I want my friendships to flourish and I create space for that. But when Mm -hmm. I get invaded, so if someone from the outside is expecting me to adapt in a way I think is wrong, then the fight comes out. But it's because Mm -hmm. they've taken it to my door. That's when my fight comes out, is if I feel like someone's pushing in to something that they have no right to. (laughs) But then you you feel that sometimes some people know how to push my buttons. And I try to to fight myself to not fall for it. Mm -hmm. But then when I fall for it, then it reinforces what they already thought about me, which has nothing to do with me, which is usually that I'm a bitch or something. But then they were the ones who started it. Okay, well, here's a natural question. (laughs) Have you noticed that certain types do that? Uh, Yeah. Okay, so what are the types that just you struggle with? Oh, we all know. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead and add to the six. The six. Give me good words around that. (laughs) I think... Carrie said it in a very great way that she said that she doesn't understand the need to always 
be looking out for like the worst case scenario like how is that productive or positive or anything good i mean i do have to say i feel like i'm a healthier eight now mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and, be and because of that i see what the space is that each gift fills from each number i do think that there is you know positive things to always be looking out for a bad thing to happen because th bad things happen right so <laughs> if we're always in denial about things happening, then we, we don't see when they're happening. So um, my, mm -hmm. partner's mom, my partner's mom is a six. We used to get into more fights. I, I say fights because we wouldn't really fight because I think that they're also very coward. <laughs> yeah, not the sixes I know. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, well, um, they're actually more aggressive than we are when they when they feel unsafe. Their energy yeah. is overwhelming beyond anything I've ever felt. I only have that one person, so it might be particular to her. But okay. <clears throat> she's quick to start the fire, but then run out, run out. You know, okay, like like throw the stone and hide kind of yes. thing. <laughs> Got it. So that's that's what I mean by cowards. Yeah, because because also. Maybe because with me, I will not stop. So maybe she knows. It's like she already, quote unquote, lost. I will have more energy to keep going with this argument. And aside from arguments and stuff, I think the six, their main thing is to always be looking out for bad things. And that's so foreign to me because with the seven, I'm always looking at positive things and always being like optimistic do you find that the sixes like poke at you like relentlessly right like but not just with me i mean i can see that they do it with everyone they try to poke and poke and until yeah until something confirms their bias that's the thing it's like <laughs> they have a perception and they can do something and then something comes out and they're like see i knew you were fucking asshole or you know something like yeah. that <laughs> like, that's what it feels like sometimes for sure so do you relate to this quote so she said we see things in patterns and that's partly because of seven's curiosity four always looking for meaning and we want people to see their own patterns we often push them into seeing them even if they don't want to <laughs> <laughs> even if you don't want to you will see this <laughs> Oh, is this a psychic reading? And we see patterns so quickly that oh, it takes so people quickly. a while to catch up. <laughs> and that's exhausting too. That is exhausting yeah. too. I, I describe a lot of things as exhausting. Maybe I'm exhausted, but <laughs> <laughs> because that helps you predict outcomes. We go into so-and-so's place or whatever. And you're like, I kind of already know what this person is going to say. I kind of already know what this person is going to do. So let me prepare and let me prepare the people that are with me. And then you would say it and they're like, oh my God, you're just, you're exaggerating or whatever. Then we're there and the thing happens. And then I look at them like, I told you, <laughs> mm -hmm. I told you this was going to happen. Do you see patterns like out in the world as well, where you, you see something connects to something, which connects to something and. Oh, so much. Well, I'll tell you this. I used to be a pattern designer. So. <laughs> Like literally a pattern designer. Yeah, literally. And yeah, and I see people people's patterns and it really annoys me when someone else doesn't see it. Do they call you impatient? Yeah. Do you close ones? Okay, obviously they also call me impatient. And I, I also them don't you realize the patience I have with you because I need to wait for you to see what I've seen like 10,000 years ago. So now I have flipped the script because it's also really, it's painful. I'm going to say it hurts when people call you impatient all the time. Sure. It's like, you don't understand how much patience I have for you. <laughs> well, here's the question that they all would ask right back at us, though. 
is do we see our own patterns? I yeah. I think I, I think I do too. Yeah. I know. Really so, feel like I'm, I do. I'm so self-aware. And then someone tries to tell me, oh, but you're this. And I'm like, uh, I know. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you for stating the obvious. Uh, yes. And that is why I almost take a hard stand when I'm presenting patterns because I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not a hypocrite with this. I absolutely have them experienced and witnessed the power of naming your pattern and then seeing if you can break it. And so because I've lived that enough times personally, I of course want other people to experience the freedom that comes from that. But people don't want to. They really don't want to. They prefer to live in this la la land or I don't know if it's denial. Autopilot. Autopilot. Yeah, autopilot, yeah. Which is, <laughs> explains this whole podcast and why we created it. Because I love the patterns. I love digging into people's patterns and then presenting it to them. And sometimes <laughs> they're excited and sometimes they hate me. But that's just the way it is. Oh, I'm excited. I, I love this. Because it's refreshing to hear someone else sort of say out loud what you already know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. It's like, yeah, it's not just me making it up. It's, it's true because now it's two of us that know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not totally alone. Okay, so then the next thing is, and this fits with our nickname, the messenger, is that we have to get the message out. It can't stay inside. And it's more important to get the truth out than to self-protect. So we'll risk facing whatever's going to come from saying that thing than to keep it in. <laughs> of course, yeah, of course. Yes, absolutely. And the, the, the biggest example I would say about that for me, it's being a vegan. I've been cruelty-free since I was 13. So I was watching The Simpsons and there's an episode that's called Lisa the Vegetarian. In that moment, I was like, yeah, it makes sense to not eat animals. So I stopped eating animals, <laughs> but I still ate dairy and, and eggs. And then I've been a vegan for like nine years now. But but the amount of friendships that ended. Because really? <laughs> because See, I, I, would, was I would make fun of you, but I wouldn't hate you. <laughs> Well, if you make fun of me, I will end the friendship. Come on, the seven in you's got to take a little bit of ribbing. Come on. A, a little bit, but some okay. people just like to dig at it. And so I even have a thing. I have two Instagrams. The one that, that I follow you on, it, it's <laughs> sort of like my, my friends and family Instagram, but I have a public one. And I have a thing, like a series. It's called Weird Vegan Grass. Because <laughs> I, I just post photos of the, the amazingly delicious things that I eat, but I call it weird vegan grass because literally a lot of people think that all we eat is grass. I'm like, wow, this chocolate pastry is such a fucking weird vegan grass. You know? Oh, that's so, a good idea. But it's because I got so tired of always receiving the same meme. It's so mm -hmm. unoriginal. It's so unoriginal. I think that's what bothers me about it is that all the arguments, all the jokes, everything that people say now, it's completely unoriginal. Like there's no new right. content against veganism or to mock veganism. Uh-huh. You're looking so, for a worthy opponent, but there are no yeah, <laughs> zero. There yes. zero. But my boyfriend, he's a two, and of course he's like super gentle. They always send him like his co-workers send him like, Oh look, Santi. Is a, is a meal for you. And it's just like a photo of grass and things like that. And, and it doesn't bother him, but it bothers no. me. I take a lot of heat for being vegan, going back to your question. And so I would rather expose the, my truth of being vegan and how I think that's better for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And even if that means that a lot of people are going to find me annoying. Yes. And it's not, it's not fun to be found annoying. I don't think anyone enjoys being found annoying, but... It's worth it to you. It's, it's worth, worth it. it. Yeah, it's worth it. And yep. 
same thing with many other kind of causes, you know. The rest of the quote is that we have zero retentiveness or holding in power. <laughs> it's all outward flow and pushing outward. And then here's the part that just killed me. She said, so we give away too much power with our reactivity. That hit me so hard because when I am pushing, pushing out, in my responses and reactivity. I, it's like I can feel myself, almost like the words are a stream that's spraying out of me. And I'm like, oh, just stop. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm giving away too much. And I just wish I could just put a plug in it, but I can't do it because I'll explode if I don't or something. And I don't like that. And that's where I've often, I've said to a few of the eights with the five that I do wish I had more of their ability to retain something until it's carefully thought out and then put it out there. But I don't have that. No, I don't have that. Yeah. But, but you know what? I have that when I want to, but it goes to the extreme, which is being 100% quiet. Same. So it's like I will remove myself from you and from this situation completely. And then that's heavy. They also call that masking uh, yes. for people people on the spectrum as well. So okay. I did that a lot when I was younger. I would mask a lot, be quiet a lot, because there, was, there wasn't really a point for me to like speak out. So well, it's the only safe quiet. way. It's all or nothing yeah. with us. But, so it, if... but it's also so heavy. After yeah, like, I have to decompress <laughs> a lot mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. that. But yeah, sometimes it's better than to just let it all flow. But once it starts flowing, it's kind of hard to contain. <laughs> yes. What would you say is your favorite thing about your eightness? And what is the hardest thing? I think my favorite thing is that natural ability to speak up, Mm -hmm. especially to defend others, which, you know, it's not, it's something that some, maybe, maybe you can attest to this, but I think as eight, we, we find it kind of unspecial to be able to do that because it comes so naturally, but, and, and not only because it comes so naturally, also because it comes with a lot of responsibility and weight of how other people react to that. You know, yeah. so it's like, yeah, I can speak up, but I'm also going to take a lot of heat for it. But I, I love that. I love being able to do that. I think that is so special and have the armor to protect what comes with that. All the, you know, lashback that comes with that. My least favorite thing, I think it's having people say that we are mean. The people, but it, that's people who don't know us. So maybe sometimes that's why I don't care that much because yeah, my, right. my people, the people that know me, they know that I'm super teddy bear, you know, like, yeah, and, yeah. And, and very vulnerable and sensitive. And but it does get annoying with when other people have this perception of like, mm-hmm. you're har- you're heartless, which is to me is so crazy. It's like, it's I like think the we opposite. Have, we have like the biggest hearts and mm-hmm. we're a lot of us are always looking out for children. I think in the interviews that I've yes. heard, people are always concerned with children. And with people who are like in vulnerable positions, poor people, you name it. And Mm -hmm. we're always looking out for those people, much more so than others, like, quote unquote, nice people. Yeah. The hardest part is the misconception. What would you say to the eights that are listening? I would say thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Because um, the challenging of societal norms and the seeking of justice that is done by healthy eights is what has made this world a better place. You know, because as much as sometimes we feel that it sucks, (laughs) I think in many aspects, this world is better today. 
than it was a hundred years ago. And so I think that happened because of eight, because of eight personalities who took the heat and who stood up and who marched and, you know, who just want to have a better world and continuously seek justice. So, so thank you, because I think I'm almost sure that in a way, all of the eight here, we do that. And you and Erin do that through having this podcast, because you're making sure that there's a safe space for us as well, for the eights mm-hmm. as well, who are doing that, that work. That's it for today. We hope by now you've realized there's a lot more going on under the surface, and you'll continue to follow along as we take you inside the armor. <laughs>